Can Be New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing? This was a victorious weekend for Oregon. You're in? Uh-huh. Yeah. Just, just checking, just checking. Uh, what a wonderful time uh, enjoying the kids. I want you to know child dedication is an amazing experience for parents. It's a wonderful time when you have an opportunity to have your children prayed for in the congregation, be a part of that. And it's also a greatest fear, what are they going to do when I have them on the platform? I mean, every parent goes through that because they're, they're loose up here. I mean, they could, you know, and, and, and I have seen some of the most wonderful things happen during baby dedication. Uh, one time I was uh, dedicating a little baby, and it was, it's, I was doing just what Pastor Sam uh, did. And I just want you to know we're going to Photoshop Sam out of every one of those pictures, uh, <laughs> just, just to let you know. But I was, I was holding this baby and, uh, and just sharing. She was the most beautiful little girl and just as I'm holding, I'm doing this span to the congregation. She does a projectile vomit right out. <laughs> and without even thinking, I go, poof, and caught it in my hand. And the, and the whole congregation is just in shock. And I just look at her and I said, I still got it. You know? <laughs> all of you know as parents what that's all about. But it's, it, it really is wonderful when we, this is what we call doing life together. See, church is more than services. It's, it's, it's more than having a great uh, array of, of teaching classes and things like that. That's, that's, those are essential parts. It's, it's, it's having a place like this where you can gather and, 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 all, and all that. But it's really doing life together. Parents and kids and to the good times and the challenging times. And about uh, f- four months ago, I came and I was with you on a, on a weekend and we talked about a challenging time we were moving into and asking uh, for your partnership as we walked through a challenging situation with your senior pastors, Ron and Ed's war. And for any of you who are visiting here uh, this morning, I'm so glad you're here because you need to know this is how this church does life. Right up straightforward Uh, no frosting on the cake this is the real deal we do life together and uh, it it uh, it came forward that Pastor Ron after years of chronic pain and some situations his own personal life had become uh, addicted to prescription uh, drugs and uh, Ron was uh, moving towards a knee replacement and some things like that and and it, it came to our attention, and uh, we, we needed to make uh, an intervention in his life to help him for the future. And uh, all of you heard as we shared, uh, just very honestly and openly, of, of the process that we were stepping uh, Pastor Ron and Annette into, where they would take a leave of absence as we walked through and gave them the opportunity to in- intensely invest in their own personal growth and freedom in this area to, to be set free and be able to grow on in their life personally and in their ministry. And these last four months have been uh, just 
amazing months. I want to thank all of uh, the team here, all of you, the, the staff, the, the elders, the council. I've partnered with you in different dimensions. Uh, Tim Mosselder, who has been my boots on the ground throughout the whole process here with your staff, pastoring your staff all the way through this on a, a weekly basis. And uh, the purpose being to set into a process where the congregation continues to grow and in health and life while your pastors get healed up and so we can see this join back together. Well, I'm here today to be able to share with you kind of what I call uh, a, a new season in, the, in this process. At first there was the revelation, then there was the intervention, and now we've been in a healing process. And that will continue on, but I call this the, the on-ramp as we begin to prepare them to step back in to leadership here. Uh, it's, it's, it's a process. It's a process. I, I want you to know that this process is based on what is best for their health and growth personally, as a family, and what is best for the life of this congregation. And Ron and Annette, from the very beginning, the first and foremost priority is their own personal health in Jesus Christ. Ron is a person before he's a pastor. Let me say that again, because sometimes we forget. Ron is a person before he's a pastor. Can I share with you, all of you, you're human beings even before you're Christians? Let me say that again. You're human beings. You were a human being even before you got saved. Being saved doesn't take the humanness out of us. It allows Jesus Christ to come and work his image in the midst of that. Does that make sense to you? It's really important that we understand that. Because otherwise, we try and change the outside instead of letting God work on the inside and letting life happen from the inside out. Because that's how it works. But in this process, you just need to know that from the very beginning, I shared with you my intention and the intention of our Foursquare family was to see Ron restored personally and Ron and Annette restored in their place of leadership as your senior pastors in this congregation. And during this leave of absence, that's been our, our, our desire. And you say, are we, are, are we on track? Yeah, we are. But I do also want you to know that Ron and Annette have a need to continue on in this process of wholeness. And this church has a need to continue on in their journey so far, those journeys have paralleled, and we can see them coming, coming together in the future. But at any time, if the needs of this church grow to the place where Ron and Annette's personal needs for process take longer, then we understand that they would move on in their process, and we would appoint another pastor here to take you into your future. They know that, I know that, but that's not where we're at right now. I just need to share that with you because we want to be really honest because I'm more committed to making sure that Ron stays healthy and whole and, and, and what God's doing in their lives can continue because can I tell you, he will make it to heaven without being the pastor of your church. <laughs> 
It won't be near as much fun, Ron, but <laughs> it, they, they will. So what we're, first of all, and foundational in every part of our life, it's Jesus in us first. And then out of the outflow of that, we get to lead. And I wanted Ron and Annette to join us and you hear a little bit of their journey. So Ron and Annette, come. Uh, welcome them. Mostly physically, it's been quite a four months, hasn't it? I was doing good for just 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 a moment. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you mm-hmm. for uh, your leadership and all this. And I want to thank this church family for all of their support and all of their love. And I haven't been able to ask you this until this moment, but I need to ask you to forgive me. Uh, Forgive me for not being the person that God really wanted me to be and the person that you deserve to have as a leader. And that through this process, it's been an amazing thing to watch Jesus work in you to really minister to Annette and I and our family. The cards, the letters, the phone calls. Your life toward us was the life of Jesus. We just felt the breath of life through everything that you did. And for us, for me, for Annette, for my children, my grandchildren, uh, your love and your grace has been a fearsome blessing in our lives. A fearsome blessing. So we want to say thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and your covering. Uh, It's been a blessing. In this in this four month time, and uh, Ron and I, uh, just to let you know the process they've been involved in, from the time of disclosure of the addiction, uh, Ron and Annette, after our announcement with you, went to be at Cross Cross uh, Point Counseling Center in Christiansburg, Virginia, a place that our Foursquare family has for pastors to go get counseling and and uh, start a healing process. From that point, they came back, and we have a, have a, a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, man who's the head of uh, George Fox, uh, and he is the head of the counseling department, and he's involved in ongoing counseling with them, and will continue to in the future. Uh, Ron uh, made the choice to step into AA as a accountability situation, and he's probably in meetings three times a week and uh, has a sponsor and uh, great things going on there. Uh, Just uh, some really tremendous support systems that are going on in their life right now and will continue to in the future. But Ron, in the process of all this, what's probably the the biggest lesson that uh, kind of the Lord has been teaching the over over writing less that's coming to light. I know you're still in a learning process as we all are, but share with us. 
I think there there have been so many different lessons to learn through this and so many layers that have been healthy and they've been good. I think the constant in all of this has been the the courage to ask the hard questions. Um, I didn't face those hard questions about my own brokenness, my own sin, my own insecurities. Some things go back way, way, way back in my life. I avoided those. I denied those. I ran from those. You can call those whatever, call it whatever you want to. But it needed to be confronted, and it wasn't being confronted. And through this process, the Holy Spirit has led both Annette and I to ask these questions. And it's amazing when the Holy Spirit leads the questioning, there's health and wholeness at the end. Facing those things have been fearful. They've been scary. Um, they've been uncertain. But going through it has been uh, very fruitful. Even questions like asking Annette, how are you doing? That was a scary process for me. The reason is, is because I thought it would, you know, come back to me. <laughs> that if she wasn't doing well, it was yeah. my fault. Sometimes it was. <laughs> um, but that's okay. Yeah. And to be able to face those things in our own lives, in my mm-hmm. life, I think that's been a huge thing. And then coming to grips with what they are, what those questions are, those sins, those weaknesses, those insecurities, and confessing those. Mm-hmm. For me, that has been uh, a huge thing. Mm-hmm. To be able to confess to God, to confess to Annette, uh, to Larry, um, to the people around me, what mm-hmm. these sins are, what these frailties are, what these insecurities are, have been uh, a release. Mm. And I'd never connected before, and I don't know why, but I'd never connected the practice of confession to a walk of humility with the Lord. And I think I've come to realize mm. that you cannot walk humbly before the Lord if you're not willing to confess to God and others your sin. Mm-hmm. It's just impossible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And recognizing that and seeing that and walking in that has been amazing because mm-hmm. what it has allowed me to do is to get to the real me. Yeah, yeah. And so being good. able to confess has been a release for that. You see, without that confession in my life, I developed a highly edited version of who I am to present to the world in hopes they would like that as opposed to the real thing. But when confession is there, when honesty is there, it allows you to walk humbly before the Lord and Mm -hmm. before others. That's so good. And it's in your brokenness. That's so good. Uh, Annette, how about you? Um, Through this process, I think uh, just right off the get-go, I knew that the Lord was speaking to me about my own sin in that... I hadn't really loved Ron well. Um, I loved him, but I didn't love him well in his weakness or in his pain. And so much so that I didn't want to hear about it. I didn't want to hear about when he was tired. It would make me angry. His pain would make me angry. And so consequently, he had to deal with the pain by himself. And I realized that I, that, you know, my own pride and insecurities kept me in this place that I wasn't loving my husband well. And so I 
needed to confess that. I needed to repent and walk that out and, and learn to love him um, better. And um, the Lord, you know, showed me that in Proverbs 31, I was... I wasn't that Proverbs 31 wife until it got to verse 13 (laughs) because 11 and 12 talks about a wife that your husband can trust and he couldn't trust me with his pain and that's not an excuse for being addicted but it was um, something that was wrong in my relationship with him and Mm -hmm. so that was the confession and repentance I needed to do and so to learn to love him better and then you know, this process has been really, really scary and difficult for me. And mm-hmm. Larry has loved us very well and shown us amazing, amazing grace. And we've made his job really hard. <laughs> He's a busy man, and he just got busier with mm-hmm. us. And um, so, oh, goodness, you know, my insecurities were bleh blown up right in my face. Everything I was afraid of happened. And so to um, give it all up, to lay it all out, Mm -hmm. to be empty-handed, and to trust God, Mm -hmm. to put it back, to put things back in order in my life, whether or not what it looked like, you know, was up to God, and to trust that, Mm -hmm. and to continue to trust Him in that, Mm -hmm. to trust the process even now as we go along. And um, so, you know, it's, it's a privilege to learn to trust God in a deeper way. It's not easy. It's not mm-hmm. fun. But it's a privilege to know God in a better way. Mm, so good. Two things I hear real strong, both of you saying. One is walk, the call to walk in humility. Are you all hearing that, church? Um, I think we all understand the scripture that says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And how important it is for us to just be honest and open in our brokenness and, and understand that Jesus Christ uh, paid the price. And uh, I love also, Annette, what you said about, about loving one another, our spouses especially. It isn't enough to love them the way we think they need to be loved. You have to say, God, how do you want them? How do they need to be loved? Sometimes I think I'm just doing a wonderful job Loving my wife till I ask her. <laughs> and she informs me. And uh, I, I think this is, this is a, a journey you're all allowing us to walk with you. Uh, exactly. We're not alone. We're in this together. And uh, thank you, family. Thank you, Ron and Annette. And I want to pray for them before... We uh, allow them to go. Sue, would you come on up here? I want Sue to lay hands on Annette. And would you just raise your hands out towards them? Oh, Lord. <laughs> Lord, I thank you for your handiwork. Because as I look around this room, I see it everywhere. We are all your handiwork. We're, we're a bunch of, uh, uh, of broken pots that have cracks and crevices and, and you're reforming and refashioning us to make us people who can be filled with the Holy Spirit and then pour out. And Lord, I pray for Pastor Ron. I pray in Jesus' name that you'd continue, continue the healing you're doing. 
Lord, spirit, soul, and body, Lord, all those things, Lord, uh, that are involved with addiction, that uh, affect our thinking processes. I pray in Jesus' name you would heal and, and, and re- rework his, even the operation of every synapsis, every, every chemical balance in his, in, his, in his body, Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name that you continue the healing in his leg, Lord, that every bit of pain would be gone, Lord, that, that you would raise him up in Jesus' name. And Lord, he would be a man that, that ministers, uh, Lord, out of his brokenness because we all have it. And the people that are out there, all of us, we want to we, we follow a leader that has a little limp because that, that really proves of what, Lord, you are still doing in us. And I pray, though, the healing would take place. Lord, the, the, the acknowledgement of, of the lamp and the encounter with God would never go away, Lord. And I pray for Annette, Lord Jesus. I thank you so much for, Lord, uh, just her heart to, to, to in a place where she could say, this isn't my problem, it's my husband's problem. She realized, Lord Jesus, that, the, that these kind of things affect a whole family. And I, I thank you for her honesty and saying, Lord, where am I in this? What are you speaking to me? And Lord, she's responding. And, and Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that response to then bless the kids and the grandkids and, and spill over into this family called New Life and from New Life into this city called Canby and from Canby on, that this would be a place where life happens, where people don't have to hide their hurts, that Jesus Christ is enough. And that, Lord Jesus, we would walk in confidence that, that, Lord Jesus, it isn't to minimize our sin, it's to maximize the work of the cross. And we want to be that kind of people of grace. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And all of those that are part of this family say, Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Hey, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Well, we were able to update you a little bit on how Ron and Annette is doing. And uh, you might say, my gosh, four months without a senior pastor in place. Uh, the staff has done such a wonderful job of moving in there and, and things like that. But you, you might say, God, uh, is the church okay? <laughs> are, are, are we doing okay? And can I share with you, give you a little update? Uh, we finished just because in times like this, the, the, the unfortunate thing in so many, so many churches, people are saying, oh, I don't know what to do. Maybe I better go someplace else. And you haven't. You stood strong in your presence and in your faith and in the process and in every area. And I want you to know the, the church finished out strong financially at the end of the year. That speaks more than money. That speaks commitment. It's the strongest year you have, finan- have had financially since 2008. Wow. And, and can I tell you the other side? The nursery is full. <laughs> That's how I measure. <laughs> I look at the nursery and say, okay, how, is there life happening in here? And I look at the finance and say, is there commitment happening here? There's a lot of other things we measure. But I just want you to know you're alive and well. God's doing good things. 
The best is yet ahead, and that's why we're here and walking through this process. In many, many situations, and I don't fall in any way in the body of Christ, we feel the need to keep a certain image, to look good, to... Because, you know, if we didn't look good, someone might not come to Jesus. They might think we're probably even flawed, and what answers do we have for them because we're kind of screwed up ourselves, amen? Don't look like, yeah, I'm the only one, okay? <laughs> but we really come to understand that sometimes people really receive the greatest testimony of Jesus Christ in our honesty and openness in our overcoming. Our overcoming. It is in our flawless life. It's how Jesus meets us in the midst of our flawed humanity. And then brings transformational change. And we want to be that kind of place. So today I want to open the word for just a few minutes with you. You might turn to the gospel of Luke. And I want to talk about being a people who carry God's heart of restoration. So often we have, we have seen that spiritual leaders and over the... Over the and not, not just spiritual leaders, but people as a whole... We, we, we have a tendency to celebrate and one another's success, but when we go through kind of a difficult time or a dark time or, or a leader has a misstep, it's like, uh-oh, you know, let's kind of put them out of the picture because we don't want, we don't want to look, look bad and then you never hear of them again. <laughs> but see, within our Foursquare family, we believe that God is able to restore and more. As a matter of fact, when I was praying this morning, uh, the Lord uh, kind of spoke to my heart and he didn't want to just restore to, to former, former condition, but he wanted to restore to an intended position. What his intent was. Not what was, but what he intends for the future. And that, that excites me. And here in, in uh, Luke 15, it probably shares one of the neatest things about the grace of God because that's what this process is all about, God's grace and his love and in his reconciling, res- restorative power. It's a story of fi- family dynamics and we've already talked that that's what addiction is and we all have our different forms of it. Some of, a, some of it's more acceptable than others. Um, some of it is uh, actually somehow some in, in our I, I would say our culture is probably one of the most addicted cultures in the world. Addicted to entertainment, addicted to at times exercise, addicted to food, uh, addicted to not wanting food, addicted to every kind of thing you can possibly, addicted to money, addicted to gambling, addicted to and and we could go on and on and on and on, addicted to work just so any of you didn't want you off the hook, you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> addicted to church. Sometimes we go to church to get our fix. I'm feeling really bad, so I got to go to church, so I'll feel better. Makes me feel better. Because I'm around people who are like me and who affirm me, and I can be that person who serves and and I love for people to serve, but if you serve for what it brings you, 
you'll get yourself in the trap. It's interesting, isn't it? A very good thing can become a very, very easy hook in our life because Jesus wants to be the only one. And here it tells a story of family dynamic in Luke chapter, chapter 15, starting with verse 11, a uh, father and two sons. And many of you might know the story. Uh, we, we refer to it at many times as the prodigal son. But uh, in my Bible, it says the parable of the lost son. Let me read with you starting verse 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falls to me. In other words, give me my inheritance. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal. That's where the word comes from. Or, or, or in other words, kind of wild partying, living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself or was hired by a citizen of that country. And he sent him in the field to feed swine or feed pigs. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods or the, the pig slop that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, let me read that again. But when he came to himself, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and despair and I perish with hunger. I'll arise and go to my father. And will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he rose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. And the son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let's eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. And they began to be merry. What an amazing story. Every time I read that story, I, I don't know what to say. Let's unpack it a little bit, the narrative. Uh, two young men, I'm not sure what age they are, probably, I would say, uh, maybe upper 20s, uh, right in there. Growing up under, a, 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 sounds like a rather wealthy father in the household, and it came a time in the life of the young men where they were feeling their oats. Any of you men out there remember that day at your house, you know? 
I remember one time my son and I had kind of this conflict, and in the it was it was one of those conflict that wasn't was no longer this far. We were face to face, and and the Lord said, "You got to realize you have another full grown man living in your house." It's that time when when. This young man, though, instead of being able to handle this in a constructive way, he said, hey, I am sick and tired of waiting for you to kick the bucket. That's basically what he said. I want my inheritance now. I've got things to do and places to go, and I'm, I, I, I'm tall, dark, and handsome, and I'm, I'm wanting, there's things, you know, and I don't have time to wait for you to be gone. Well, the father gives in his inheritance to them both. And, and the young man strikes off. He says, in a few days off he went. And he went to a faraway land. Why do you go to a faraway land? Anybody know? Because you don't want people to see what you're going to do. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. He didn't want any eyes on him. I'm going, you know, mom and dad, I am tired of living under their judgment. I'm, I'm out of here. He went to a faraway land, and I mean, he's party. You know, I mean, he is the life of the party. He's got his bankroll. We're going. Things are, I mean, he's, he, you know, he's got his buddies. And, 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 and I mean, uh, probably bar hopping, whatever they did in those days. You know, I mean, he's really into the life. And all of a sudden, he started running out of money. Have you ever found out what happens when you have those kind of friends and you run, run out of money? You also run out of friends. <laughs> and soon he's looking around and it's like, you know, where, where did my group go? And what made it worse, famine fell in the land. <laughs> Bad enough, you're in the basement, and the bottom falls out. And he finds himself as a Jewish boy, probably sitting on the rail of a fence, slopping pigs, wondering, how in the world did I get here? I mean, there's nothing lower for a Jewish boy than feeding pigs. Because <laughs> swine, swine were unclean. Jewish people couldn't even... I mean, it, it, this, is, this is the bottom, and then a little, you know, this is digging in the basement. And, and I love what the scripture says. He comes to himself. I, I would say in our vernacular, it's the closest thing to you come to your senses, but it's when you have the mirror put in front of your face, and you really say, this is where I am, this is who I am, and, and you get a good look at yourself, and you don't like what you see. But in the midst of that, as you don't like what you see, you also get a reflection of where you've come from. And one of the things he realized, he came from a good father. He says, one thing I do know, I know my dad is a loving father. And he said, I'm not, I'm not worthy to go back as his son but maybe I can be a servant and, and maybe I can at least work around the house and prove, my, prove to him that I, I, I've kind of changed. Maybe he'll just let me serve at least. Uh, I, I'm going to go home. And the young man turns from the pigsty and he heads home. And I don't know how long the journey was. But after a journey, he finds himself standing at the, at the end of the drive, driveway. Any of you know what a driveway is? I'm from the Midwest. It's that road between, it's that, that long between you and the road, you know, that, that one lane thing. And he's looking down the driveway. And then, okay, I'm here. 
and he starts his walk. And I don't know where dad was, whether he happened to be in the front yard uh, working in the garden or having a cup of coffee on the porch. But he looked up and I could just see him focusing and straining his eyes and wonder who that is. And the closer the person came, the more he began to, could it, could it? And then he sees the walk and he says, I know that walk. And he jumps up. And in those days, they had long gown, like long gown that they wear. And he picks up the skirts of his garment because that's going to mess him up. And he runs down the driveway barelegged. And I mean, that day, that was just never done. And he runs and he throws his arms around his son and he hugs him and he kisses him. And actually the Greek word there is he smothers him and kisses. I want you to know this boy just came from the pigsty. It probably wasn't a great experience. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A Jewish father, a noble Jewish father, in a very undignified way, embracing his son and kissing the hog slop away. And the son's trying to, it's, I, I'm sure, he, because he knows he's ceremonially unclean, and it's like he pushes him away, and he, he says, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Let me be your son. And the father, it's almost like he put his hand on his mouth. No, 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 no. It's almost like, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll work hard for you. And, and the father says, no, bring, bring the best robe in the house. And it was a robe of dignity. And place it on him. Put the ring on his finger. And many times we don't realize it. That was the signet ring. It was the family ring. They used it to sign papers. It was, it was an inheritance ring. I want you to know when the son left town, he had one. But somewhere along the way, he probably hawked it. And I don't even know if the father gave him his. It's not like you have them laying around the house. But he gave him the signet ring. And he said, put sandals on his feet. And that's uh, symbolic in, in, in the Hebrew culture. Only the poorest of the poor were barefoot. And so it's almost like his son must have come barefoot. I mean, he was as, as, as at the bottom rung. And the father said, let's restore his dignity. And I love that even the robe of righteousness, it isn't like shower him off. It's just put the robe over him. When we come to Jesus, he doesn't say, okay, shower off, get cleaned up, get your act square, and then I'll probably put the robe of righteousness on you. He just puts the robe of righteousness on us right away, and it goes all the way, and all of it's covered under the blood. Aren't you glad? And he comes and he says, I want you to know everything you squandered away, it's back. You're my son. You're my daughter. It's back. It's all yours. Whole thing. And he says, and from this day forward, I'm going to work at all those areas that got stripped away by your rebellion, by your running away from home. I'm going to help you see those restored. The dignity is coming back. What? What an amazing thing. That is what we call the love of God. That is what we call grace. The father restoring the son. And every time I read that story, I just, 
amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Well, the story doesn't end there, though. There's a second son. Let's follow along. And his elder son was in the, was in the field, and as he came and drew near the house, he heard the music and the dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked, what, are, what does this mean? And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father's killed the fatted calf. But he was angry, and he wouldn't go in. Therefore, the father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been here serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never even gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, he couldn't even call him his brother. As soon as this son of yours came who had devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that I should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead, and now he's alive again, and was lost, and now he's found. What an amazing part of the the story there is the older brother comes to the place where he's coming out of the field. And this is, a, this is not, a, not a, what would I say? He's been the compliant son. He's done all the right things. He stayed at home. He worked hard. Did what dad said. Tended the field. Cared for everything. And I'm sure all this time a little... Brewing inside, stinking young brother. Wonder where that kid is. But going on, always obedient, always doing what he's... And of all things, he comes after a hard day in the work, work in the field. I mean, he's doing what he's supposed to do. He walks into the farmyard and he hears this party going on. And he talks to her, what is... He says, your dad's celebrating because you're... Your brother's back. He's killed the fatted calf. And I, I think this is really significant. And I love this part because fatted calf, uh, a fatted calf was never used in, the, uh, in, 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 in Bible days for sacrifice. It was used for celebration. Why do you think the father happened to have a fatted calf on hand? Because he was believing his son had come home. He'd been praying. He'd been watching the driveway. That's why he saw him coming. And here the, the brother says, you haven't even ever given me a stinking old goat to celebrate with my friends. And he, he says, I've just been slaving for you. And that's the word. It says, all these years I've been serving you. The actual word means I've been slaving for you. Every time in the, the older brother, every time the father would say, son, the, the back 40 needs the fence fixed. 
What he heard was, boy, go fix the fence. When the father was really trying to communicate to him, son, your fence needs fixing. Because you remember, he gave the inheritance to both of them. The son that stayed at home lived like a slave, even though it was all his all the time. It was his all the time. And that's why it is so amazing. We who are called a body of Christ and called to be a people of grace, one of the things I want you to know as we walk this process out and Jesus continues the healing process and we see a total restoration here. This isn't just about Ron and Annette. It's about how God has called us to live. And, and the word of that's going to get out. That this is a safe place where broken people can come. And they're going to come in, and they're going to come in stinking from pig slop. And you'll get to embrace them. And then they'll sit in your chair. And they'll probably take your honored ministry and they'll suck up all the resources that you have provided. And all the tithes and offerings that you've given to make this beautiful building, they'll probably at times mess up. And it would be really easy to say, I've been doing all the work. Where have they been? Now they just come in and get the gravy. And folks, I want you to know the Father's heart is a heart of grace. None of us deserve it at all. And there's just, as I was kind of trying to think, how do you, how do you bring conclusion? How do you bring application? I, I came up with five statements that I think kind of nailed down what Jesus would speak to us this morning. Let me share them with you really quick. Number one, the Father's heart is expressed by unconditional ever-embracing love. Unconditional, ever-embracing love. Unconditional, ever-embracing love. Say that with me. Unconditional, ever-embracing love. That's the Father's heart. Number two, God does not look on his servants as slaves but as sons and daughters. You're his son and you're, you're his daughter. You don't work for God, you work with God. It's a whole different, God doesn't want a bunch of slaves. He doesn't want a bunch of people working for him. I'm just working for the Lord. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm laying down my life for Jesus, man. I'm, I'm working for God. God, I'm, I'm doing my devotions every day, man. I'm working for you. I get up. I don't miss a day. I don't miss church. I pay my tithes. I'm working for God. I, he doesn't need that. What he wants us to do is work with him because this is his kingdom and we're a part of it. We get to work with God. It's a whole nother ball game when we understand that. Number three, the Father's acceptance has nothing to do with actions or behavior, but everything to do with his love. 
I better read that twice. The Father's acceptance has nothing to do with actions and behavior. And you say, nothing? Nothing? No, no, it's not to minimize our actions or poor behavior. It's just to understand that those give us opportunity to come to Jesus and ask forgiveness because if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when you come to him and fall on his grace and mercy, you don't want to sin anymore because his love is the thing that keeps us. Not a fear of his displeasure, but his love. That's the gospel. The Father's acceptance has nothing to do with actions or or behavior, but everything to do with his love that was expressed in Jesus Christ's death on the cross. Number four, a slave's mentality will never allow for true joy and celebration. This ought to be the happiest place on earth, not Disneyland. That really should. This is a place where people who've been saved by the blood of Jesus come and gather. And we are all in process, amen? Amen. We're not all in perfection because it isn't about all in perfection. It's about all heading the same direction, and that's towards Jesus Christ. And in that, he's working in us and changing us from the inside out. And lastly, this might be a good conclusion. Hard work in the field doesn't make us a slave. Our lack of understanding the Father's heart does. The thing that makes us feel the drudgery of our Christian life or the slavery of service is not because it's slavery, just we don't understand the Father's heart for us. Well, I need to close and I've kept you a lot longer than I should have, but uh, I just took my liberty, so there. (laughs) (laughs) But as we close, I I want you to know that if there's one thing I I believe God is speaking to us, and that is that this has to be a safe place to really let Jesus Christ shine in and shine out. And when we do that, it's allowing other people into... I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up and then in a moment we're going to pray. Uh, Every time I read this story and I've been walking with the Lord, mm, I don't want to tell you how long or you'll know how old I am, you know. But let's just say it's multiple, multiple decades. Um, Every time I read this story, I'm brought to that place of saying, oh God, how much I need to understand your love and your grace and how far I short, short I fall, how easily I, I, I come into a place of judgment. Can I share with you a revelation I found out about myself? There is a Pharisee in me and probably one in you too. It's quick to judge, quick to measure performance, quick to look at the rules and say, the rules are our friend. We got to stay in the rules. But I want you to know the, that's the thing that God hates. He doesn't hate our brokenness. 
He hates the Pharisee that doesn't give grace to others in their process in Jesus Christ. So if maybe in our our sharing this morning in the Lord's revelation, the Lord's kind of said, you know, there's something I want to scrub out of you, just a little too quick to, to to critique, a little too slow to embrace and run down the driveway undignified and hug us pig slop boy then maybe you might want to say Jesus I want to I want to be more like you in a moment I'm going to pray for you and give you an opportunity to make a step and that step will be to if you say Lord that's me this morning I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and that's because sometimes we have a tendency to say, yeah, uh, yeah, I feel that, I feel good. But we sometimes need to make a move. You see, but people might think I'm not where I should be. Who cares? What does Jesus think? That's what brings safety to the church. Would you bow your head for a moment? Lord Jesus, as we just bring this time to an end, I pray, Lord, for some who may have walked in and they don't know you as Lord and Savior. And Lord, they have heard from your word the gospel is as clear a way as I know how to proclaim it. A loving father embraced a wayward son and restored everything that he squandered and brought him into the family again. And if you're in that place, whether it's wayward by actions or heart, or you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never walked the driveway, you've never come home, I want you to know your father's been watching. He's got a fatted calf. He wants to party with you. But you have to make the step. You have to come to your senses. You have to look in the mirror and say, I need Jesus Christ. I can't do it on my own. And if that's you here this morning, would you just raise your hand up right where you're at and say, that's me. I need Jesus Christ. I need him in my life. I give this opportunity every time I share. And there may be none or there may be some, but it was a time that was offered to me when I was a teenager that allowed me to step in. If you're in that place, just raise your hand up right now. Anyone? Yes, I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? I see that hand. Thank you for your courage and things. Follow the driveway. Your father's waiting for you. His arms are open wide. He's there for you. He's there for you. The second thing I'm asking, if you're here this morning and you say I may not need to run the driveway but I need to get a fresh hug of Jesus Christ I need, I need to I, I've been working so hard sometimes I lose my focus I could easily be this elder son I, I need Jesus to, to, to break my heart again for my lost brothers and sisters if that's you would you stand to your feet say that's me this morning I, 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 I've, I've kind of lost my focus and I want to fresh come to Jesus and say, Lord, fill me. Give me your eyes. Give me, give me your heart. I, w- I want to love people the way, the way you love them. I want to extend grace, amazing grace. 
set me free from my judgmental attitude. I don't, want to be, I don't want to be soft on sin, but I want, to, I want to be strong on the gospel of grace where Jesus Christ paid it all. You can contact the church office Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 5 and Fridays from 9 to 3 at 503-266-4444. Please visit us on the web anytime at canbefoursquare.com. Pastor Ron and others on New Life staff, along with occasional guest speakers, trust that the Holy Spirit will use the message to teach you, encourage you, and give you hope.